For doing this long 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 time fan of yours uh the first question i have is are you mike or are you michael to everybody it doesn't matter to me <laughs> i don't notice the difference okay well i became a big fan of yours because of the movie black dynamite and i heard an interview that you did with adam carolla on his podcast and when i heard about your work ethic your commitment to your work how much really goes into the craft i went wow this is a lifer this is a guy who really cares about what he does and wants to produce, direct, write, et cetera. So let's first talk about The Commando. When did you actually finish it? Oh, boy. Um, like a year ago or something, something like that? Yeah, it's, it's like once I'm done with something, I really, <laughs> it's hard for me to remember when it, was, when it was done. But it feels like about a year ago. It was during the COVID thing. Yeah, so... <laughs> Well, what was what or who was your gateway into the project? Was it Koji or was it a producer? Yeah, I was a, a, um, a producer, um, Jacob Bresler. He got, got me the script and um, he's a friend. And I read it and I was I was really, really blown away by the, by the writing. It, it was like to the point it was it felt real solid. You know, so I was like, OK, let's let's move on. And, and we eventually got the movie done. Well, one of the things I called attention to at the beginning, you know, starting with such a high compliment of, well, you're amazing, so don't disappoint me. <laughs> with, with your work ethic, do you actually memorize the whole script in advance or are you like a two to three pages, what are we working on today? I'll memorize it for tomorrow kind of guy. No, I mean, I, I, I'll read the script one time um, and then, um, you know, I guess there'll be notes and everything else. But I, I never make the mistake of like galvanizing what the scene is until I'm there. You know, you don't, you know, you never know. You get on set and maybe this is something that you realize would be whispered and because somebody could overhear you, you know, or, you know, so there's I like to forget everything almost. And then when I'm shooting it that day, just, you know, kind of bring the world back in and the reality back in. You never know what the actor, the other actor is going to bring. So I always stay just very liquid. You know, I just stay very, very much like these words just came to me. You know, that's that's the idea that I go uh, go about. Well, was this film uh, done in sequence of the script? Most films are not, but you never know these days. Oh, definitely not. No, no. It, it's it usually goes by your location. You got to shoot out that location and you move on. Unless you got money to like burn, you know, then you could shoot it. Only like, you know, the Scorsese's, if he wanted to, he could shoot something in, in, you know, in continuity. But usually people don't have that luxury. Got it. For the commando, was a lot of research needed for this particular role? For, for example, you know, when you know, hey, I'm going to be around Mickey Rourke playing a, DA, a DEA agent, how would that be handled? Or are you just at this point? okay, I can do this, whatever. It oh, is. no, no. Uh, things change, like, always. Like, so I knew, I have a lot of friends who are, you know, and, and family members who are connected to, uh, to um, different things. 
Sometimes there was an issue on this movie where I had a scene with um, with Jeff Fahey, and the scene was altered. We, you know, we it 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 didn't a scene that was supposed to be originally written for that occurred outside my house now occurred of me going into the precinct to talk to this guy, right? And since, since that was a whole different set of circumstances, I'm like, wait a minute, how would a DEA agent speak to a guy, <laughs> a local sheriff in his place? You know, so I call my friend, uh, Charlie, who is a DEA agent and has worked for FBI, Homeland Security and everything else. And we're, my, myself, the director, the producers, we're like on the phone with him, making sure we got everything correctly. And so, so sometimes those things change, you know? So definitely, I always want to be accurate. So, you know, we, we, that, so that certain parts of that scene was written right before we did it. Mm -hmm. We had to have the correct information. Something I just learned is DEA is hard to say. You don't yes, think it is. so, but it's really hard to say. So two yeah. quick questions, yeah. and then you're a free man. And the first one is, The Commando is the new movie, but are you allowed to say what's next or which project is being released next? Um, well, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I mean, there's, I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good with remembering, <laughs> but I think I just got something. That, there's something that was released called... Um, Oh geez, I told you I'm not good at it. Um, uh, oh, shoot, the Friday, um, Black Friday. Black Friday is a horror comedy that just got released. There's this, and then I've got I've got some other things coming up. I can't remember, but but definitely the Commando is going to be coming out uh, June seventh. Okay. No, no, January, January 7th. Jeez, January I told you I wasn't. I'm terrible. I'm just terrible. No, it is an honor and a privilege. And the last thing I want to know is for the third or the fourth time now, complimenting what you've accomplished in your work ethic, it seems like you are where you wanted to be years and years ago. But is there anything you haven't yet accomplished in your career that you're still working towards? I said, because you've been the lead, you've been on the producing end, you've been on the writing end. Is there something you haven't done yet you're still holding out hope for that's the end goal? Well, I mean, I still feel like I was just started. Uh, I'm, I've started my own, um, my, my own production and my own studio, basically. So now I'm going to really get a chance to do the things I want to do. Um, so that, this is really an interesting time. 2022 is going to kind of... I'm going to be showing the, the industry really what I'm, I'm, I'm about. Well, you've come a long way from being military policeman number two on Saved by the Bell. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Keep up the greatness. And seriously, thank you for your time, Michael. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. How's your day going so far? It's all good, man. I've just been sitting here chatting away about art. It's all nice. Yeah. Well, it's great to be connected with you, not just because I appreciate your work. But you're mentioned, and I'm going to say about 20% of the press releases I get, because uh, the bio, I think it's at the bottom of the IFC films. It's one of those, 
And we've worked with such filmmakers as Larry, you know, in other words, you're at that class of industry yeah. where they name check you to get other people in the door. Yeah, I appreciate that you noticed that. And uh, I get Google alerts and I'm like, oh, how exciting. I'm in the news. And it's always just because I'm in someone else's press release. So I know what you're speaking about. <laughs> but also beyond that, you know, I was pitched you for a dash cam, Jacob's wife, no man of God, Dementor. Whether or not you made any of these movies in 2021, you had a lot come out in 2021. Yeah, well, actually, a lot of these are COVID movies, which is not Dementor. Those are those are a little older, but uh, some of Dashcam and I've made quite a few movies during COVID, which had different levels of, uh, you know, paranoia and infrastructure. Some of them were so small that we actually sort of snuck under the radar and did <laughs> like Dashcam. That was we were masked, but it was no protocol. And then other movies where you're doing tests. I just finished a movie in Chicago. We did testing every two days and this and that so yeah it's a real privilege to be able to work during this terrible time and uh one of those experiences was getting a call from these guys and asking if i would just record the voice in my closet upstate so i had a great time being okay here. that was actually going to be my next question was it an audition or you knew somebody to get into the spine of night uh i didn't know anyone but they knew who i was enough to they just called and said did you want did I want to do it? And uh, immediately, I loved everything about the project. I liked that it was an indie spirit, still clearly ambitious, a feature length rotoscope animation. Uh, and I could just tell something special. And I'm an old timer, so I grew up with Ralph Bakshi and that was always very thrilling. I'm not a complete, uh, you know, fantasy geek, but I'm more into horror, but I like anything that's imaginative and bananas. And playing the prophet of doom, who refuses that? role <laughs> you always want to play death or anyone is predicting the worst that can happen because no one has any ex expectations to you uh, of you so if you're amazing it's just knocking out of the park without trying yeah also you're bound to be right if you're proclaiming the end of the world you're probably <laughs> going to end up being right unfortunately i've actually used that trope all my life and i'm afraid i'm, I'm accurately uh, predicting the future <laughs> Well, in your case, you mentioned before you recorded it in your vocal booth at home. So entirely isolated from everybody else for this production. Yeah, I uh, it was literally in a in a closet trying to shut out the, the loud sound of crickets, lawnmowers. <laughs> you know, it's upstate. Uh, but there you are, you know, you're in uh, this little fantasy world. You're in the headphones and they had sent me a mic. I mean, it was very nicely produced. Uh, little activity i was in there only for a couple hours working you know through zoom i guess and uh and they got a recording they thought was suitable i i even did i think a test for the sound department and you know whatever but it was very hand hewn and just right for the pandemic it was right when we were all locked in wow i remember being shocked when i learned that shrek that i think it was cameron diaz tracked the whole movie in 18 hours you know she just came in did one long session and that was that and now that's kind of the precursor to zoom where you knocked it out in a couple of hours yeah. this kind of style of working is it something that you like now obviously you want to be on the set actually reacting to people which is acting but it's a pleasurable experience to try this new form of technology for you 
Uh, sure. And I mean, I mean, I could get into it a little deeper because I also was producing my son's film and we did ADR through Zoom. That's a little more intricate. It has to be said that what I did for Spine of Night, I play the literally the lunatic in the town square in one scene. So it's not so much about my interaction with the other actors. I think if you get into more nuanced uh, demands for your character and your sequences, then, then you would feel a little more isolated. But for what I was doing, it was perfect. I mean, my guy's in his own world anyway. I think he's not really <laughs> taking in so much as, uh, as reacting and, and uh, pontificating. So it was the right role for this sort of strange, isolated uh, way of working. Credit also goes to you. I think you've always been a, ahead of the curve in terms of what you've done, where you had something resembling a podcast before most people knew what a podcast was. Yeah. You were writing for video games before it be, before there was like a Godfather or a Ghostbusters sequel in video game form. How is it that you're so ahead of the curve when it comes to technology and not just, hey, it's not TV, it's not filmed, I'm not doing it? Well, it's funny you say that. I mean, I'm hardly a, you know, a futurist. I'm, I'm actually a traditionalist on the one hand, but what I do like is the opportunity of each new medium to sort of suggest ways in which you can tell stories. So you're, if you're just interested in the storytelling, but you realize there are these alternative formats that can suggest a new thing. I always say that a video game is a different mindset than, than a movie, because a movie, you're, you're a passive watcher. And in a way that it forces you to have empathy because you can't control what the character does. So you have to actually figure out and understand it. You may still say, don't go in the basement, but you're going, all right, well, you're going in the basement and I'm with you. And oh my God. Whereas a video game is oddly, you know, more about how can I solve this problem? Uh, should I go down that corridor or that corridor? The viewer is more making choices. So it's a little bit more self-involved, like once again, back to what are my choices in the world? So there again, you see, so maybe you want to play with that once you know that's the format. Same with audio. We've done audio dramas. Uh, we call them radio plays, but they're really just for, you know, podcasts now. And, and th there's just a whole world of possibilities because you have only sound to work with. And what does that suggest to your storytelling? So I think that's why I appear to be anticipating things. It's just I fall into stuff and I get excited about the format and maybe that inspires someone who's working in a, in a different format. I don't know. <laughs> that answer went in a different direction than what I was expecting. Because really? what I was expecting was my agent is really forward thinking and knows about things before they're going to happen and they put me up for stuff. That's very sweet, but I'll tell you a secret. I don't have an agent. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't have an agent or a manager. I just uh, answer the call when it comes in and see if things might work out. So uh, wow. I'm free agent. <laughs> that is so surprising to me because you're not just an actor. There's the writer element, the producer element, the director element. So for you to be able to juggle all those different parts of your mind and stay focused and the stuff to actually come out and get done What's your secret to all that? Are you a big calendar or to-do list kind of guy? No, this is my calendar. <laughs> Got a bunch of X's on it. <laughs> I do have, I have a terrible memory, but I, I do sort of know, oh, two o'clock on Thursday. It just sort of sticks in my mind. You know, I do think, you know, we're laughing, but 
I think brains work in different ways and I, I definitely compartmentalize. I also want to get things finished. So I'm, I'm quite driven and I think I'm a useful um, comrade to other people because I'm like, we just, we've got to finish it. Some people would say I'm impatient. Some would say I don't care enough. I appear to just want to get things done, but that also is a motivating thing and paired with the right other personality that can be helpful to get stuff done. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just have a fatalist view. We don't have a lot of time and I like doing quality things that are really about not my profile, but uh, working together and making a difference in a, in a specific relationship. So it's, I don't know, it's just whatever. I wouldn't recommend it. Imagine if I did have some support, maybe I'd really get something done. <laughs> Oh, no. I mean, your filmography is very, very impressive and it goes on decades. So whatever you're doing, keep at it. And if other people can't follow, it's their loss and their fault. But you mentioned your son, you worked on a film for your son. So he's not listening to the warnings and he's sticking with the business. Yeah. The good thing is, I think he's equipped in a different way than me. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to imagine he shares certain sensibilities or worldview but I'm so impressed with his priorities and his way of working he grew up with both his parents are artists my wife's very driven and yes. her own uh, things to offer in terms of raising a kid and giving him a work ethic so I think he has that and uh, then he has the advantage of caring about technology he loves cameras and and guns and other weird things I don't care about. <laughs> so those are in his movies. And uh, so he'll bring something very special to whatever he does with the idea of being a filmmaker. Of course, I didn't recommend it, but neither did I discourage it because I think done right, if he could just get into, find a community, hopefully he'll be able to support himself and, and do good work. He also likes different disciplines. He's a great musician. He could do camera, maybe he'll be a director. So we'll see. I don't know. I'm not wishing for anything, just his happiness of some sort. Hmm. Well, two quick questions and then you're free. And the first one is we were connected to speak about the spine of night, but are you, I'd say what's next or is it the spine of night all the time forever? That's all it is for me is the spine of night and the prophet of doom, which I've also always been quite good at predicting doom. And uh, yeah. I, yeah, I'm obsessed with the, the political world and, and the more generally the philosophy of how people should get along and get along uh, together in a society and I find that very distracting. So what's next is just material that deals with that fundamental problem of how our society works and also is a, embraces spooky storytelling and fantasy and whatever and what other way I can do it I'm hoping to make a film in the spring I've acted in some things we'll see I'll let it when it comes out Annie Jeeves will tell you and he'll take it from there <laughs> the IFC films press release at the bottom that will uh, also That's tell crazy. us my uh, <laughs> <laughs> last question they're keeping me relevant thank god for IFC <laughs> And the last thing I'm curious about, my wife is a diehard Jaws fan, and your IMDb page says Jaws, parentheses, short film. Yeah. What is that? Did you work on a, a featurette that went on to the documentaries, the, the DVDs or something? Okay. I, uh, that's just a little trinket I have. Um, well, give my regards to your wife. I should have done the interview with her. Uh, <laughs> You're not the first to say that. When I was... Uh, 12, I saw Jaws. I was so obsessed with it that I built 
uh, the, the orca in my basement is six feet long with all the details, everything down to the beer cans and paint cans and all the spears. And my figurines were like the little uh, G.I. Joe sized uh, dolls from those days. This one's a Frankenstein. But yeah. so I, I shaved their faces and then I, I brought the boat down and shot Super 8 and I, I wrote the script. The, the bottom line is I never really was able to get the whole thing together. Speaking of unfinished projects, I don't have many, but that's one of them. Anyway, there's stuff online of my boat and there's uh, and the little movie and tiny and speaking of animation, you know, that's why I was so fond of the spine of night, the impulse that brought it to life, because I also love animation. This was stop motion. And there's the boat floating around. My friend never showed up to run the shark. So that's a bit of a disappointment. There's no shark in my movie. I think my friend put it on IMDb. Uh, it's not a joke, but it's not really a real movie either. <laughs> well, you said it's unfinished now, but you never say never because you finish stuff. So hopefully that happens one day. Hopefully it's a little better than Jaws 3. Uh, hopefully. Yeah. But, Although it is very personal, so. <laughs> but, but, or was that four? I can't, my joke may not land. Was that four? This time it's personal? <laughs> I think that is four, yes. Oh my God, what a dreadful mess that series is. But the, the, the real film endures. Exactly. But I can't thank you enough for your time. And I really look forward to whatever is next, whether you are the writer, star, supporting actor, producer, whatever it is. Keep it up, Larry. Thank you, Darren. Good day for you so far. Aside from talking to media folks, you know, the elitist media. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, I know it's, it's been a great day so far. Um, we're getting close to the holidays, so I'm looking forward to a break. I don't know about you. Yeah, something resembling a break, seeing a bunch of David Lee Roth concerts in Las Vegas. Oh. You know, that's vacation for me, torture for other people. But uh, <laughs> it's it's great to connect. Now, to say something about myself and tie it into you here. Before COVID-19, I hated being on camera. It was the most chore-oriented thing ever. And then your 100th Zoom call, you go, okay, I can deal with this. For you, visual artists, you're used to being behind the camera. How does it feel now to kind of be the focal point doing media and being filmed and all that? That's a great question. It's a different, I think it, it's a different part of my brain. <laughs> um, I sure. think we spend so much time when we're working on pieces, um, on films, on, on everything, really thinking about the work that we're doing. So I love being able to talk about the work because you know, it, it allows me to get those thoughts out to other people. Um, mm -hmm. So it, but the challenge is, you know, being, being on enough to, to make those ideas not be incredibly boring. <laughs> because when you sit with them for many hours, they just feel like second nature to you. So, um, so hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm not too much of a reclusive artist and <laughs> I can talk about this work in a way that people will want to hear about. Um, but it's fun. It's a different, it's a different environment though. Now it's sort of, I'm, I'm in the same boat. We're on zoom all day long. So, mm -hmm. so it almost feels a little bit more familiar now to be on camera just because we're constantly doing it. But I think um, we're usually doing it in meetings where we're not necessarily 
um, talking about something that's completed. We're talking about trying to figure out how to get something done. So it's a little bit different. Just a tiny bit different, but mm -hmm. you know, in your defense, I personally can listen to any conversation ever that's creative people talking about talking shop, really. So whether or not the masses dig it, I dig it. <laughs> in, I, I dig well, it. So, well, at least have one, an audience of one for sure. Audience so of one. Um, so you've been in the Disney fold for a long time. You worked on Wreck-It Ralph. I believe that was the first project you worked on or one of the first. So you're a veteran, maybe not a veteran by Disney standards because there's a lot of people have been there 30, 40 years. There's a lot of lifers. When I grew up, Disney had, to, to use a sports analogy, it was kind of a rebuilding season where it was really for, to generalize, like girls between the ages of nine and 14. And nowadays with Star Wars and Marvel and the Beatles documentary, Disney is a for everyone kind of brand. I'm curious when you fell in love with Disney, if there was a first movie or project for you? Absolutely. My first, um, I mean, I've always been a Disney kid. I think I was probably watching Disney films from the time I was a baby, but uh, The Little Mermaid, I remember seeing it in the theater. I remember the feeling of what is this? And I want to do, I don't know what it is, but I want to do this. Um, and that sort of stuck for the next 32 years. Um, so I, I mean, I think it was at some point I understood that it was drawing and animation. And so I, I just really wanted to be a part of drawing and, and participating in, in something that was so impactful um, and, and share that with other audiences, you know, all over the world. So that was it for me. Around what point in time did you realize that this could be a career that you weren't just drawing for fun on a notebook? Because let's face it, when you're growing up, there's the first phase where supportive people around you go, you could do anything you want to do. You could, you could be an astronaut. And you learn later, there's only like eight astronauts. You're not <laughs> an astronaut. You're not going to be president of the United States or whatever. So then you get the, well, we think you should be a teacher or an accountant or a lawyer. And then usually, and you'll tell me if I'm totally wrong, usually you take the lowest job on the totem pole in the creative spaces until somebody quits or somebody higher up realizes you're good and promotes you. So what was your journey for being creative person who wanted to do this to actually doing it? Sure. Uh, well, I, I'm very determined. So it was, for me, it was, in my head, whether or not this was in the head of the people around me, though I had very supportive parents. Um, from the minute I saw The Little Mermaid, I was like, this is what I'm going to do and was very determined about it. I had probably around the same time I sent um, a drawing to uh, the Disney Channel, uh, a drawing of Ariel when I was six and they put it on TV because they put children's drawings on TV. So that was motivation. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and when, when I was in fifth grade, our, our teacher had us make time capsules, um, that had us, um, basically say what we wanted to be when we grew up. And then when we were seniors in high school, the point would be for us to come back and revisit these ideas that we had in fifth grade. And my fifth grade teacher told me that I was the only person who ever had, consistently wanted to do the same thing from fifth grade to the time I graduated high school. So I think that that means that and she was a 30 year veteran at that point. 
I think that means that I'm probably the only one from my school who actually ended up doing that. Um, so yeah, I, I was pretty bound and determined, but my, my journey, you know, sort of getting from high school, I, I studied animation. I wanted to be a traditional animator. And uh, then I, I um, spent a few years after graduating from college um, working in games and working in sort of um, designing and animating in flash games. And then I applied to our training program at, at Disney with a design portfolio um, and sort of a shot in the dark since we weren't actually at the time we were having a bunch of traditional animation trainees. Um, so I was very lucky I got to work with a bunch of incredible traditional animation artists as a trainee, but I came in under visual development because I thought that that was probably my strongest um, option for coming in and I'm still here. They didn't, they haven't gotten rid of me yet. Outrocast.